Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me is Charles Chuck Thompson. I just kept going. I was like, whoever keeps going wins. That's what I was going to do, but then I was like, oh. Well, you didn't keep going like I did, though. The good news is for the podcast, you can take one yeah. of us out of there. When we put this so. on the actual stream, there's, there's not going to be you in there. Uh, because I'll just take out that part of your channel and, and no one will ever know, except for the fact that we're still talking about it right now, right. 45 seconds in. They'll, mm. they'll know what I'm talking about. For those of you on the podcast, uh, the channel, you know, on, on Apple or whatever you're using, we both started talking at the same time and I mm. cleverly removed it. So as to not let you know that we did that. The live group's all over this, by oh, yeah. the way. We morphed into the same person we're making up for yesterday. This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, where we talk all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning. Nate forgot to introduce us because we were having such a good time at the beginning of the show, not knowing who was going to go for first. That's how discombobulated everything is and i just wanted to use that word they might hear the people on the roof trying to fix the leak right now though because yeah. it's loud we're on the we're on the second floor here which is the top floor and they're just walking around right above the office right now trying to figure out where the heck this galder and water is coming in and that's fine nowadays yeah who yeah. cares it's fine but i am charles chuck thompson this uh across from me right here in studio uh, per usual Per usual, you're not joining the show. It's you're usually always here. Oh, thank you, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston. That's me. Yeah. Oh, hey, I have a personal story real quick before we get to the news. I'm gonna we're gonna be talking about uh, well, some some lawmakers are wanting to get this whole nationwide eviction moratorium going again. Now it's not really gonna happen, but there's quite a few of them that are behind this, and we got to talk about uh, a little Just bit of cycle through of the, the agencies. Just keep going through <laughs> CDC. Stuff. Hey, Department of Homeland Security. They'll, each different agency will just keep doing they'll it. They'll find some reason to do it. The DHS will get into it because of some kind of domestic terrorism thing. you got to mm -hmm. make sure you don't have evictions because when you have more evictions, you'll have more domestic terrorists. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's what's going to happen. Uh, there's uh, BLM protesting vaccine mandates at a, outside a place in New York City, which I just thought was a, a pretty interesting story. So, um, so now they should get rid of the mandates. <laughs> I'm actually kind of, yeah, I'm kind of excited about okay. it. Um, the uh, There's a nice op-ed in the Washington Post. I'm not going to tell you who wrote it until I get done reading it about how the CDC should let Americans decide if they want to get a booster shot because they can decide what their risk tolerance is and whether or not they want to do that. I'm not going to tell you who wrote it until after I read this article that you'll probably agree with. Uh, from Newsweek, the, uh, the largest change petition... Uh, change.org petition that there's been, I believe, the 3 million signatures petitioning for $2,000 a month per person, universal basic income, and then another $1,000 for your kids. And that's a, that's not a good idea. Just as the crisis continues, of course, you know, while we're in this COVID crisis. Are you surprised people voting for free money? No, no. I wonder why this is the biggest one that there's yeah. been. And then we'll see how far we can get into it. I've got some other stories in here that we didn't get to yesterday as well. You know, I went to a concert last night. I tweeted a little bit about this last night when I got home. I went to a show You last did or night. Nick did? I did. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't, uh, yeah, I had just gotten home. Okay. I wasn't on the old Ambien's yet. So it wasn't Ambien Nick, it was just normal Nate. Okay. 
And I went to this show, and to go into the show, you had to either show proof of vaccination or you had to show proof of a negative COVID test. Now, there's some pretty obvious problems in the fact that they're not asking the vaccinated people if they're, uh, if they're also negative for COVID because you could still be carrying COVID around the people. And, mm-hmm. and we need to protect the vaccinated class, of course, so we want to see if they have it. But no, uh, I had to show proof of a negative test, and I did. I took this uh, I took this test that everyone's seen, I'm sure, the Binax Now thing. I don't know if you've actually used it on your phone. But what I found yesterday, here's my negative test. Uh, they make you go on there, and then they turn on a 15-minute timer, and then after the 15 minutes is over, you have to select whether or not your test was positive or negative. And then when you hit negative, it says that you had a negative test. So you didn't even have to take the And test. then you show it to the person at the door of the venue, and then they say... Oh, look, I have saved lives by making sure that this person doesn't have COVID and they feel better about themselves. Joe says it's the honor system. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's not, now listen, I took the test and it was negative. I did take it. I got my little lollipop test right here. Still says negative on it. Uh, but I, I did take the test, but it's just kind of, it just showed me how pointless all of this is. Now I'm not saying that we should just require everyone to be vaccinated, what I am saying is it's real dumb for you to feel good about yourself for requiring proof of vaccination or proof of a COVID test being negative when you're just going to accept an at-home test that shows no real proof of whether or not anyone has COVID. Yeah. You're just making yourself feel better. That's, That's all it. it is. That's all it is. You're virtue signaling while not actually doing anything. Yeah. And you know, the other interesting thing, I, went, I was at the show and they were talking a lot, the bands were talking a lot about how uh, it was nice to actually be out playing again and seeing a crowd of people in there. Like, no one wearing masks or anything, by the way. Pretty packed, really cool venue in Nashville. I hadn't been before. Looks like a house of blues. I've been wanting Nashville to have a house of blues type venue. Nice. And it's it's really nice. Anyway, I, I got a little a little thing that, that honestly made me a little bit emotional when I noticed it. The band was playing, and I looked out in the crowd no one had their cell phones out recording the band at all. Everyone was sitting there uh, or standing there with their arms up in the air doing stuff, you know, clapping, doing whatever, or just watching the band. And I just, it was a really stark contrast from a couple of years ago when, when you went to a show and basically everyone would just have their phone out recording what was going on. And what I came to the conclusion of was that People are sick of looking at stuff on their phones (laughs) and they enjoyed actually being somewhere in the moment for a few minutes. And so I just thought that that was really cool to see, you know, you just lock people up for a couple of years and then they come to appreciate actual human interaction afterwards. You had your phone out videotaping the fact that no one had their phone. Yeah, I was, I got a video of them not videoing. (laughs) So actually I was also the idiot last night who did get my phone out at one point in time to record a part of a song with my flash on. You guys all know what it's like to be so in like a dark everyone room with knew. people. And so I went to turn on the video and my freaking flash was on. I just had to put it down real quick like a, like no one noticed it. Just no one knew that it was going to happen so, or that it happened. They're like, we saw your flash, yeah. dude. We know that you did it. Okay. It's like all when right. you're trying to take a picture of... Yeah, your ex with somebody else. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And you're trying to sneak. (laughs) I can't relate to this one, but yeah, I bet it is just like that. Usually, I mean, the girls listening right live right now, they'll tell you that, you know, when you try (laughs) to sneak a picture, 
and you accidentally have the sound on, so it makes the either like the the camera noise or the lights on. <laughs> the camera noise. From AP News. Lawmakers attempt to revive the nationwide eviction moratorium. This is straight from the source, the Associated Press. Right. That, that is the source. They are on the ground doing this news right now. Several progressive lawmakers on Tuesday introduced a bill that would reimpose a nationwide eviction moratorium at a time when deaths from COVID-19 are running at their highest levels since the last time they were above these levels. <laughs> They didn't put that part in there, but uh, you, you know what I mean? Since March, since early March, Elizabeth Warren, Corey Bush. Which you wouldn't know about because the news isn't really covering that anymore. No, we don't talk about that. Now, the, the average, the seven-day rolling average is still a little bit above 2,000, which is uh, higher than it was back in June, which was apparently down to like 200 or 150. So it's up right now, mm. you know, allegedly. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it isn't set. Okay. So those two people, Corey Bush, Elizabeth Warren, they said the bill would direct the secretary of health and human services to implement a ban on evictions in response to the COVID pandemic. It would also amend the section of the public health service act to grant permanent authority to health and human services to implement, implement an eviction moratorium to address public health crises permanently. Hmm. Mm. They'll always have that authority. The Supreme Court's conservative majority at the end of August allowed evictions to resume across the United States, blocking the Biden administration from enforcing a temporary ban that was put in place because of the coronavirus pandemic by the Trump administration. This pandemic, quote, this pandemic isn't over and we have to do everything we can to protect renters from the harm and trauma of needless eviction. Needless eviction. Needless eviction. The, one of the needs, this is the needless, one of the needs is not a, that you didn't pay to live there. If you're evicted because you didn't pay the person who owns the property, that's a needless eviction. It's needless. That's not one of that's not one of the things they've lined out as something they'll allow for you to not be able to stay in someone that's else's property. Because a landlord is a parasite. Yeah. You deem them parasites. Mm -hmm. And so now they're the evil person and you have to have compassion. So what do you do when when a parasite is sucking the life out of someone else? Well, um, you kill the parasite. Give it ivermectin. I'm not uh, I'm not really <laughs> I well, no, not anymore. No, it's only, okay. for, it's only if the if, if you're a horse. I'm sorry, we talking about horse, people or horses? People. Okay. Yeah, people. All right. Well, I don't know them. So you I don't even think they make anything. You give them a vaccine. No, but that's what they do. See, the left, they they demonize a certain group of people, like landlords, for instance. We we read all these dumb bleeps, and so the landlords now are parasites who leech off society, and and because they're parasites, well, it's fine to extend. An, ev an eviction moratorium because we have to, the, the landlord's a parasite. Yeah, were you are, distracted by the people wrestling these on, are the, on the roof up evictions. there? Evictions. No, I had a call. Oh, okay. All Commercial right. Commercial so real. Which, know who did, which know who upends, is. so we're continuing on from needless eviction, which upends the lives of those struggling to get back on their feet. Warren said in a statement. Pushing hundreds of thousands of people out of their homes will only exacerbate this public health crisis and cause economic harm to families, their communities, and our overall recovery. Now, it's not the economic harm that was put on those people by, say, like destroying the economy over the last Shutting down years. businesses, telling people they can't work. Once you do that, and then they don't have any money, 
and then they can't pay for where they're living and then they're getting evicted. It's the eviction that puts economic harm on the families. That's that's the part right there. Not the reason that they couldn't make the money to do it, which most of them could because there's a whole lot of jobs. I was going to say, how many jobs are still open right now? Quite a few open right now. Bush, who who pressured Biden to extend the moratorium until the end of August and was once evicted herself, said the Delta variant fueled. You know, I like that you can have a point of authority uh, on, on being evicted from somewhere. You're like, you know what? One time I didn't have any money to pay for something either. And so therefore I've got a nice little point of authority on this uh, where I can say, I don't think anyone should have to pay for anything. Like, okay, I did such a bad job or I had, I, I wasn't able to pay for anything. And so therefore I'm, I'm a person you should go to on this. Okay? Also now Corey Bush is a representative. Mm, mm-hmm. So you were, so I imagine now just imagine if there was an eviction moratorium back then, you think Bush would be a representative by now? Uh, I don't know. You I don't, think the path would have been different I, for her. Now that I know that she was once evicted, I'm not sure how she made it anywhere. To tell you the truth, because yeah, it should have upended her life and yeah, pushed her. You know, it, it, it should have exacerbated her health and everything. As the Delta variant continues to force individuals to quarantine, close schools, and stifle businesses, we must do all we can to save lives. That hang starts, on, yeah. It's the virus the Delta is a variant. <laughs> this Delta variant and virus doesn't force individuals to do anything. Dude, that freaking Delta <laughs> came knocking by my house. We had turned the lights off the other night. It was coming around trying to evict me, trying to shut down the podcast, came by trying to take our money. It told my neighbor's kids they couldn't go to school. Freaking tyrannical Delta mm. variant coming out there, man. Mm. Woo! This starts with keeping every person safely housed, she said. Now, the science doesn't add up on that, by the way, since uh, a lot of the spread's been occurring in people's houses. Actually, we need all these people to be on the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's my official scientific yeah. recommendation right we now. Need spread out. Everybody yeah. spread out. Three, <laughs> three dozen other lawmakers also supported the bill. Now, this is all about saving lives. This and is, also, this is key, too, by the way. All this bill does is direct the health and human services. That way they don't mm-hmm. have to actually go down in history as the people who are doing anything about this, actually. This bill says get that to, HHS can do this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's, that's the funny, like, we're going to create a bill, look at all the great things that we're doing. No, we aren't going to actually do anything. We're just telling another group of people that they can do something, and then we're going to hope that they do it. Yeah. I'm not saying they have to do it. So if they do it, get mad at them. Yeah. Don't exactly. get mad at me. Now the whole saving lives thing. Now they're talking about uh, 3 million people might, uh, might be facing eviction, possibly if they don't see that eviction is a possibility and decide that they're going to get a job and make money to pay for their rent, uh, that they could be facing eviction. And this is all in an effort to save lives on the, on the outside chance that well, first off, probably half of them are vaccinated. Another big portion of them's already had COVID also, but there's a small portion of them that is, are also possibly going to be in a tighter living condition with more family members, potentially, and they could potentially spread COVID. I mean, you're talking about a small fraction of these people who could come down 
with a disease that has 99.7% rate of survival. And that's why we need to make sure that no one can be evicted in the U.S. This has nothing to do with the virus, with saving people's no. lives. It's all fake. Continuing on from yesterday's episode, it's all fake. And look, I want to say that I, I don't want anybody to be evicted from their home. I, no. I don't want people to lose their homes or anything like that. I mean, that's a scary thing to go through as a family, for sure. Like, if, you know, if it happened to me, that would suck. I don't want that to happen to me or anyone else that I love and care about. And because I care about all human beings, I don't want anybody to lose their house. But let me tell you something else. There's nothing like needing to find shelter when you don't have shelter. Mm -hmm. There's no greater motivation to find food than when you're hungry. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like there has to be some element of play where it's like if, if you can never be evicted from your house, well, then what's the point? What's the incentive? Right. The, the incentive you have, you know, previously was that, well, you want shelter for your family. You want them to be safe somewhere. And so that motivates you to get up and do a job and make a certain enough amount of money so you can provide for your family and keep them safe and those types of things. Well, now there's no incentive whatsoever because I'm never going to be evicted. So now I don't have to work or pay bills or do anything because the government's just going to take care of me, man. Well, as they say, necessity all right, the next one is the father of all children. That's, a, that's what they've always said. Mm-hmm. Um, or when you that. actually have to do something, then maybe you will actually get out there and do it. Uh, Todd, I read uh, that on a scribe uh, yeah. when I was in Italy. If you guys are potentially going through a stressful time right now, maybe you're reading things on Twitter and you're getting really stressed. Maybe you're going through family problems. Maybe you have relationship issues. Maybe you're depressed. Uh, for whatever reason, the, the lockdowns have caused depression, maybe all kinds of other things, uh, deaths in the family, anything. Better help is going to help you, all right? These are licensed therapists. You go in there, you make an account, and you answer some questions, and they pair you up with a therapist, a licensed therapist that you can talk to through the app. You can do phone calls, video calls, all kinds of stuff like that. Secure calls. I know a lot of people don't like talking about important things like this over the over the airwaves. You know, we're worried about that. It's a very secure app. No one else is going to see your conversations. All right. They're going to pair you up with someone. You don't have to go with the person that they pick for you. You're going to give you a list. You can choose between different people. It's so much cheaper than going into the office. It's safer if you're worried, if you uh, have a compromised immune system, if you're worried about going out in public, it's safer. Just going to stay at home, be able to go do this over your phone. So anyway, check out the BetterHelp app. Get on your phone, search BetterHelp, get on your computer, type in BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash GML will give you 10% off your first month, 10% off BetterHelp.com slash GML. Todd asked a question about ICUs. Why are they so full? Keep getting news reports that our ICUs are at breaking point. Uh, Joe responded with a really good response, which is that there's not enough nurses right now. Um, that is one of the major things that I've seen, uh, that the there is a bit of a nursing shortage. They do have specifications for how many patients they can have per nurse. I know someone who is an OR director that was talking about in their hospital, they're supposed to be one-to-one on uh on people in the uh, that are on vents and right now they're like 2.5 to 1 uh so 2.5 patients for for one nurse on average and and so they've had to change that up a lot so that's been hurting and also they're not so obviously you can write a news story about every hospital that is close to capacity 
And it would be a lot of news stories. There's a lot of hospitals out there. And what one thing I was listening to someone talk about the other day is they're not talking about hospital systems. They're talking about specific hospitals. And what people don't realize is that, for and instance... And they're also not talking about space. Yeah. Yeah, they're not... That's the other thing. They're talking about the staffed beds, the licensed beds. They're talking staffed about, licensed beds. Yeah. It's really licensed bed because a licensed bed has to be staffed. Yeah. So and, it's it comes down to how many licensed beds do you have? Not rooms, not space, not not floors on the hospital or anything like that. It's licensed bed. And the one of the other problems is is you have a nursing shortage. And you have a shortage of licensed beds because of a nursing shortage and also certificate of need laws and all kinds of other things. Yeah. I mean, it, the you want to go into go, a half an hour thing about CON laws for a while? List, I don't think anyone on the podcast has heard us talk about I that. Know, yeah. The list can go on and on. <laughs> if you don't know what certificate of need is or any other healthcare things, we've talked about it in depth, probably episode 300 something. Go back and take the <laughs> 600 episode challenge. Go to episode 300 something. 300 something. And it's uh, in there. And so that's also going on. There's all so like a what's the hospital? I can't remember the name of the hospital system that Lacey HCA <laughs> works for. Well, but the uh, the actual Sarah Cannon. No, the the freaking hospital oh, she worked Centennial. at Centennial. Yeah, and, and so HCA Centennial, all that. The, there's TriStar. Big, there's this big hospital systems. TriStar is what I was trying to figure mm-hmm. out. There's big hospital systems, and they can shuffle patients around between hospitals. Uh, much easier than going to different hospital systems. They can shuffle people around and they allocate their resources as, as good as they can. And one thing they weren't paying attention to is you might have like a company that owns five hospitals in the area. And so when one of them gets full, they can move them over to another one or they can, they can kind of shift their resources around like that. And so what they're doing is they're saying, well, this hospital right here is full. They're not paying attention to the entire hospital system, which also might have a lot more ICU beds open. And they're also not paying attention to the fact that there are beds that are designated for COVID that are separate from the rest of the ICU beds because they have to have all of their protective protocols in place. And so that's a lower amount of beds. And if they absolutely have to, they could open up more beds if they want to. That'd be kind of tough because, you know, all the licensing and you want to keep stuff open for your cardiac ICU. And I don't know if you got a burn unit over there. Some hospitals do. So very few, but some, yes, very few. You want to keep things open for other stuff and they have to do all these protective measures for the ICUs and the hospitals. And so it's not as dire as it sounds. It's not good, but from what I can tell, it's not as bad as it sounds. Yeah. I I would say it's both. Um, It's not good, but the reasons they're giving are very uh, elementary. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. So they're, they're breaking these news stories as if like, Oh my God, we've, we're on the break of everything collapsing when really it's not uh, that it's collapsing. It's the, it's all these other factors that are keeping hospitals, um, from being able to take care of people, mainly government regulations. Yeah. Let's put it that way. There's also a nursing, there's been a nursing shortage for a long time. I mean, ultimately nurses don't get paid enough. That's the actual problem. And so now the ones who don't need to work are quitting. Um, this is being seen all over the place or they're quitting to take travel contracts because they're getting paid w- probably what closer to what they're worth. Yeah. Um, the, there, there's, and then there's also students like graduating nursing school um, and lying about their experience to go get nursing uh, contracts because they're paying for four to $5,000 a week. Ridiculous right money now. right now for it. Uh, the other thing that I know all you guys know is um the, the ICUs are normally, uh, I know like one hospital specifically, they run about 82 to 85% full 
occupancy capacity already 82, 85%. And you're not talking about 100, 200 beds for an ICU at this particular one. It's like 27 beds. And then they separate Some are smaller than that. They separate those out between a lot of different units. So that's not even all the COVID beds that are there. So what percentage right now, say in Tennessee, that same one is running around 90%. Uh, if you have 15... Well, and that's, and that's the other thing too, as you know, uh, for-profit hospital, even non-profit hospitals, you still have to stick to a budget. So you don't want to, you don't want to be operating your ICU at 50% anyway. No. Like you don't want to have 50% of your licensed beds unoccupied. You want to run a decent ratio where you have, uh, you know, some room for some, some influx in case something happens, but also to where for the most part, you know, that your beds are going to be full so that you can get, you know, your room charges and the charges for that night. Right. Just like you would, if you were operating a hotel and it's not because they want people to be sick, that's not what it is. But it's, I mean, think about it. If you owned a hospital, right. And you were, you had a certain budget, right. And you were trying to hit revenue goals or whatever, and you have the ability to have 50 ICU beds, well, you're not going to keep 50 ICU beds staffed because most of the time you're only going to have 12 to 20 patients. And this is in a bigger city. That'd be too, a big hospital. Yeah. Right. You're going to have 12 to 20 patients. Right. So you would say, okay, I could, I have the room for 50 licensed beds, but I'm not going to staff 50 beds because I only have 12 to 20 patients at a time. Most of the time. So what you want to have are no CON laws so you could change those beds to exactly. whatever their need was. Exactly. And so you could influx that whenever you needed to. The other thing I'll leave you with is if they normally run 80% capacity, and let's say you have 10 beds designated for COVID. Okay. How many more COVID ICU patients would you have to have for them to now be running at 90% capacity? How many beds? They have 10 COVID ICU beds. You need one more patient. One more patient. And yeah. they move from 80 to 90% capacity. Yeah. Just one more patient. All right. So uh, next thing. You know, we keep talking about COVID, by the way. Yeah. It's because this is, all of these things are, we need to do this until the crisis is over. We got to do this until the crisis. What's going to be next year? If this is like the flu. It's just going to keep coming back around. The vaccines well, are like other vaccines. Well, it was two weeks vaccines. to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. And now we're almost two years into this thing. Yeah. We're, I guess we're a year and a half. I guess the answer of what's going to happen next year is occurring right now. Same thing. Yeah. And so then same thing we do every day, Nate. So every year we're going to have this vaccine mandate fight, a booster shot fight going to be coming up. Mm-hmm. All this stuff. If we allow these things to mask continue going fight. on. All, all the mask fights. All the eviction you know, fights. Eviction, capitalism's spend, evil, spending, mm-hmm. all of this continuously. Yep. If you allow this whole, this whole fear porn thing to continue on forever, but there's been an old wrench thrown in the leftist plan here. This is interesting. This is so interesting. This mm-hmm. is coming from the Blaze. Thanks, Glenn, Beck, and all your friends over there at the Blaze. The BLM protests vaccine. Uh, the BLM protests vaccine mandates outside. Carmen's NYC uh, after woman attacked restaurant hostess over Vax passport questions. That's a wordy title right there, Glenn. Black Lives Matter protesters gathered outside of Carmen's restaurant in New York City on Monday, accusing the famed Italian-American eatery of racism. The protest took place just days after a group of black women physically attacked a Carmen's hostess who questioned their vaccine cards and said that the hostess, an Asian woman, used the N-word before the attack. 
In remarks, activist Kimberly Bernard said this vaccination card mandate to create more Sandra Bland's and more Brianna Taylor's, it ends here. Consider yourself served. Cancel Carmen's. As if it's Carmen's fault. <laughs> the restaurant. Carmen's, the restaurants. As if, it, as if it's their fault that the government has mandated vaccines to be able to go eat inside at restaurants. Yeah. And now, because the these people were black and they didn't want to be carded, they didn't want to have to show their papers to go somewhere and freely travel and those types of things. Then they got upset about it. So here's the old wrench in the turntable. Okay. Now what's interesting, they're not even bringing that. They said that the hostess used the N word before the attack. That's what they said. Okay. That's not even what they're bringing up right now. Mm-mm. They're talking about the vaccine mandate itself. Yep. But they're pointing it towards Carmen's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. The accompanying crowd echoed Bernard's sentiments, according to the report, crying, cancel Carmen's. Activist Hawk Newsom, founder of the BLM Greater City New York chapter, added, listen, vaccine is a choice. It's a choice. You shouldn't exclude people from everyday activities because they choose not to engage in something they have every reason to doubt. Whoa, left is turning. Mm. They're turning. Okay. I don't know if they're turning to the right, but here's the interesting thing. People want freedom, okay? Deep down in their core. Some people do. I don't Mm. think that all people want freedom. Another speaker added, we will not sit by and allow you to use this pandemic vaccine mandate and masks as reasons to throw us in prison. I thought you were going to slam the table right then. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Welcome to the Libertarian Party. Actually, don't, you know, not the party. this, this uh, This is amazing. This is great. This is people recognizing um, no matter what side you're on. And of course, I you know, I associate BLM with the left because the left uh, touts them around or whatever as one of their, you know, puppets. Did we make sure they along. weren't from the Bureau of Land Management? Uh, no, it does say it does say Black Lives it, Matter. Yeah, the very yeah, okay. it says Black Lives Matter. So, okay. yeah, yeah, I was just making sure we weren't way so, off. So base these here. aren't we, we know these aren't right uh, right wing extremist or ring. They're not right wing or ring. Neither one of them. Neither one of them. Uh, this is literally the the New York City chapter of BLM, the Greater New York uh, chapter. BLM, Black Lives Matter, are saying very important words here. Listen, vaccine is a choice. It's a choice. You shouldn't exclude people from everyday activities because they choose not to engage in something they have every reason to doubt. Now, I want to add into this the libertarian principle of private property. Mm-hmm. If Carmen's wanted to exclude you from the restaurant for any reason whatsoever, they should be able to. So there's two things here happening, which is Carmen's can exclude anybody from the restaurant for any reason, including vaccination. That's the, uh, the, the, the property rights mm-hmm. argument. But at the same time, it's very important that the BLM is saying, hey, look, vaccine's a choice. And we're not going to allow you to use this pandemic vaccine mandates or masks as reasons to throw us in prison. And that's a good that's a good point because there's a lot of other things the government does to use as reasons to put people in prison where they're not doing any kind of violence against other people. We can name all sorts of stuff. And uh, I think that that has disproportionately affected people of color uh, throughout the years, whether that be out of racism or whether it be out of economic status or whatever it is. And so this is just another thing on the list right here. 
You tried to get in. You didn't have a password. Maybe uh, you didn't. Uh, you didn't wear a mask. There's all sorts of reasons. And now we've got a whole other list of things that we can get in some kind of an altercation and can arrest you for. And uh, you know what? As long as uh, the protests are kept nonviolent and not removing liberties from other people, I'm interested to see where this goes because this uh, maybe this could end up helping out just a little bit. There have been a lot of people on the right saying that these vaccine passport mandates. We're racist. If you want to use that kind of uh, that kind of thinking, that kind of terminology, it's going to disproportionately affect people of color because you that's the numbers on the vaccination rates. And uh, we're going to start to see some of this play out. All right, we'll move on to the next one here real quick. Speaking of choice, the choice, this op-ed from the Washington Post that we might just all agree with. And I'm not going to tell you who wrote it until I get done. OK, I'm going to look. <clears throat> you can look if you want to. You might not know who it is at, at, at first, but uh, the CDC should let Americans decide for themselves if their risk warrants getting a booster shot. Okay, so we had this thing happen last week. The um, Basically, they're going to allow people who are over 65 or if they're highly at risk and then they can get the booster shots, but it's not going to be open for everyone else. And we don't know exactly what they're going to define as at risk yet, but, uh, but we'll see. Advisors to the FDA voted unanimously on Friday to authorize a third dose of the Pfizer vaccine at least six months after the initial two doses to those 65 and older and others deemed high risk for severe COVID. The evidence is growing that while the coronavirus vaccine protect excellent, uh, protect excellent protection, I don't know what, the, what that means, immunity declines over time. Last month, the CDC director presented preliminary results that while vaccines continued to safeguard well against severe disease, effectiveness against mild or asymptomatic infection waned from 92% to 64%. A CDC study found that protection for nursing home residents dropped from about 75% to 53%. And another study from the Kaiser, Permanent, Kaiser Permanente Patients found a decrease from 88% to 47%. That's a 50% drop almost. That's pretty big drops right there. Now, every time I talk about natural immunity, they're like, yeah, but that doesn't hold up for very long, you know, you need to get that vaccine. Hey, you know, that doesn't hold up for very long, you know? Okay, now it's been helping, obviously, stop people from dying. The numbers are obviously showing that. Data from Israel provide another crucial data point. A third dose of Pfizer vaccine provided additional immunity with comparable side effects to the first two doses, according to the new study published in the New England Journal of Medicine. For Israelis 16 and older, the booster dose increased protection against symptomatic infection for more than 11 times against hospitalization by nearly 20 times. Israel has already noted waning protection against severe diseases. Its mass vaccination campaign preceded ours, and its data collection is far superior. We shouldn't wait to heed Israel's lessons. You know, Israel's got other studies out there other than whether or not you should get a third shot. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other stuff. It's nice when you pick and choose which uh, which Israeli studies since they have superior data collection and are way ahead of us on this whole vaccine thing. All right. Then there's the WHO urging that wealthy countries hold off on the boosters until there is a more equitable global vaccine distribution. So they're literally saying that we shouldn't do the third shot because poor countries haven't had their first dose yet as if that's going to change anything right here. 
She goes on to make that point. At least 15 million doses of the COVID vaccine have been discarded in the U.S. already. Millions more will soon expire. There's no mechanism to repurpose these unused doses. So instead of letting them go to waste, why not allow them to go to vulnerable Americans? She's making a lot of sense right here. Mm-hmm. I'm not out here saying we got to get out there and mandate these third shots, but I do believe in people's personal choice if they want to get one. If Pfizer has made it, if it, if and we're people, just throwing them away. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do it, then do it. Have 18 of them. I don't care. You, you do you. Just don't force me to do anything. But still, now even the government's coming in and saying that you can't, you can't have your third one if you want to do it. Because some people in Africa haven't had their vaccine yet. And <laughs> so you can't this, choose to have the third shot. <laughs> next <laughs> argument's even better. Some experts have also argued that boosters are not the answer to stemming the current coronavirus surge. They're right. From a public health standpoint, it's more important to get the first dose into the unvaccinated than the third dose to the vaccinated. Again, this shouldn't be an either or. Lack of supply is not the reason. About 70 million Americans are refusing to be inoculated. Denying the vaccinated a booster isn't going to persuade the unvaccinated to get the shot instead. Most people that are unvaccinated are because they want to be unvaccinated. Yeah. Not because they can't get one. Not because they don't they can't sign up for an appointment. Not because they don't have the money. Because it's free to you. Personally. I'm gonna end up or in the transaction it is. It's because they don't want to be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. But no, it's better to throw away. Mm-hmm. It's better to deny people that want it and throw it away. Because it's not equitable yet. Yeah. Because not everyone has had it yet. And so mm-hmm. we're literally just going to throw it away. Is this not just a misallocation of scarce resources that have alternative uses by, you, yet again, a government that's just one could, a terrible job? One we kind of talked about this yesterday. Hypothesize that. Yeah. Man, I, I hate this mismanagementism that we've got going all over the place right now. Now, she says, if it were up to me, I would have allowed all adults, if it were up to her, uh, she would allow all adults who want a booster to access it. She's very free about, about this. Okay. If you want to access a million vaccines, you can do that. That's because people's perception of risk is different. An individual risk decision should be left to patients in consultation with their doctors rather than a federal health agency. It's real interesting when it comes to whether or not you should get the third shot, then people assess their risk different and individual risk decisions should be left to patients mm-hmm. talking to their doctors about things. That's, that's pretty interesting. One person could look at the data and say that they don't need it. One person could say that they could, so we'll skip over some of that. FDA advisors came to a compromise by recommending authorization of the booster for those who are older or otherwise at higher risk. And so now we'll see what they're going to make higher risk, by the way. And she's saying that she hopes that they basically say that everyone is higher risk. If you just say like, well, you're overweight. Well, that's going to open up pretty much uh, everyone in the U.S., I'm pretty sure. When vaccines first became available, federal health officials made the eligibility criteria so strict that they became a bureaucratic nightmare. Imagine that. And substantially hindered the rollout. Imagine that. Do you think, Charlie, is mismanagementism a problem? These days, mm-hmm. is that is that something that's? I think it's oh, gross, gross, happening quite a bit right gross now. Gross mismanagement. Gross mismanagementism. They shouldn't make this mistake again. Well, I sure hope they don't. If it's a matter of life and death, I sure do hope the right people are in the government this time. Yeah. Oh, Dad, I, I really wish I could save you, but uh, I'm just waiting to see who wins the election. 
<laughs> before we can do anything about it. If not, maybe we can go dumpster diving for some vaccines out there and risk prison. <laughs> Sorry, well, see, this- that was a problem because they made like they may if you were to give out the vaccine to people who weren't part who weren't eligible during the rollout, then it was a big time trouble for you. Yeah. So they were very strict about who they were even letting have appointments. It was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, I'm going to finish up here. Let's see. The FDA has already determined that a third Pfizer shot is safe and effective for many Americans. The CDC should endorse his recommendation and allow boosters for anyone who perceives themselves at a higher risk. Opinion by Dr. Lena S. Wynn. Um, is that Leanna? Or maybe Leanna. I don't know. Um, you know, that's the person on CNN all the time talking about how you shouldn't be allowed to travel on the interstate if you hadn't had a vaccine yet. And I just thought that it was really interesting to see this nice opinion piece about how uh, people should be able to choose what they want to do and talk to their doctor and determine what their own risks are in their life. But it's only for a different class of people. It's for the vaccinated have a choice. Mm -hmm. Even as you're making the argument that after six months, the vaccine's gone down to 50% efficacy, or 50% uh, as far as uh, I don't know, stopping the symptomatic and severe disease. Not uh, severe, symptomatic and, and carrying. Yeah. Yeah. And so as more time goes on, that's going to continue to wane, of course. But once you've made it into that protective class, now you get to now choose you have freedoms. what risks you're going to take mm. after that. Even if the science is telling you that the vaccine a year from now, might not be doing shit <laughs> at all. But well, you the... made the decision to get vaccinated, and so you've made it into. It's almost like it's almost like being in a religious group these days. We you should, get a new rights. We should just we should just put this out or the sa- apply the same principle across the board. You should have the freedom to choose, consult with your doctor, look at the data, by the way, she said, you can look at the data and some people will be like, ah, well, you know, I don't really think I need it. And other people could look at the data and be like, I want it yesterday. Yeah. Like, and then you, you can assess the risk for yourself as an individual. Imagine that. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't it be crazy if we had a country that was founded on principles of freedom and individual choice? Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? That would just, be that would be kind of crazy. If we just had one of those out there somewhere, a we country should start like one that. Of those. We should. One two? Yeah. And, and Kapistan? Yeah, is that what it's gonna be? Call it good morning good morning capitalism. Good morning liberty is stan. That's what it's yeah. gonna be. Yeah. GML stan. Well, Charlie, you got ten minutes until your call. I don't know if you got any personal stories, but we need to go ahead and uh Yeah. Wrap it up. We'll chop it off there. We still didn't get to all of the stories. Just like yeah, we had two left over from yesterday. Now we got those two plus another one. We have a whole show from today. We got a whole we got a whole leftover. We could could we do like a we do leftover Thursday and then we do dumb bleep of the week on Friday? So we, we could, unless something there's something like pressing. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. It's a thought. Okay. It's a thought. Well, if you guys enjoyed today's episode, which I know you did, it was fan fantastic. Then share the show with a friend and a foe and the children. Share it with the children. Share it with the farmers. Share it with the school teachers. 
and uh, anyone else you can think of. Yeah, just human That's, beings in general, yeah. actually. If they're human, yeah. share it with them. Mm-hmm. That's what you should do. Leave us in a, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps those algorithms. Most people still listen on Apple Podcasts. I know there's a bunch of Apple haters in our live group, but most people still listen there. And so, and we know that by the numbers. Uh, the data is pretty clear that over half of, uh, literally half of podcasts are still listened to through Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, Wherever you can leave that review, please do. Mainly Apple Podcasts. If you do all of those things, all that of them. That sounds like a, even more of a dating site, Joe. <laughs> uh, Joe says leftovers on locals. If you guys do all of that, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.